This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Hello, and welcome to Instant Genius, a bite-sized masterclass in podcast form. I'm Jason Goodger, commissioning editor at BBC Science Focus. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. It's a phrase a lot of us will have uttered at one point or another, often as a badge of honour, intended to describe our diligent, meticulous nature. But perfectionism can have a significant impact on our mental health and our ability to function. In this episode, we speak to Thomas Curran, Assistant Professor of Psychological and Behavioural Sciences at the London School of Economics, and author of The Perfection Trap, The Power of Good Enough in a World That Always Wants More. He tells us why perfectionism is on the rise, why that's a bad thing, and what we can do about it. So you're a psychologist that studies perfectionism, and that's quite an unusual but very interesting topic to study. So how did you get into that? I got into it, I guess, through my own personal experiences of perfectionism. The academic world is quite competitive, like a lot of jobs these days, and whilst I was climbing the career ladder and working really hard and putting a lot of pressure on myself to sort of outperform others with things like grants and publications and all the rest of it, I definitely experienced a lot of self-imposed pressure, a lot of worry about how I was doing relative to other people, a lot of rumination and brooding about not quite being good enough. And that culminated in an quite significant mental health problems which seem to stem from this kind of need to be perfect. So that kind of turned me in the direction of this personality characteristic of perfectionism i looked into literature i couldn't see much out there and so i decided that i'd try to find out more so let's start the very basics then so people will have heard of the term perfectionism they might even relate to it themselves but there's actually scientific definitions for what perfectionism actually is and there are several different types that's right so perfectionism at root is 
a kind of deficit thing and it's this idea that i'm not perfect enough and i need to conceal my imperfections from everyone and all around me but inside that kind of core deficit belief there's three main ways that perfectionism can manifest the first is called self-oriented perfectionism so this is a perfectionism that comes from within so i need to be perfect and nothing but perfect and when i haven't been perfect i'm very critical about myself the second is socially prescribed perfectionism. So this is the perfectionism that comes from outside of us. It's perfectionism we perceive that comes from the outside environment. So everyone expects me to be perfect. And when I'm not perfect, they're critical or judgmental. And the third type of perfectionism is other-oriented perfectionism. So this is perfectionism that's turned outwards onto other people. I expect you to be perfect. And when you're not perfect, I'm quite critical. I'm, I, I can be quite punitive. And these three kind of the core dimensions of perfectionism and people can have high levels of one two or even all three uh, and what we tend to see is that highly perfectionistic people tend to score high on all of them so sort of where does this this set of definitions come from you know how do we study this sort of thing or, or, or measure it it comes from many, many years of clinical case notes from clinicians, empirical research, talking to people, developing questionnaires to measure these dimensions and looking where people sit on the perfectionism spectrum, and then using those measures to sort of identify correlations with important things like mental health issues, like depression, anxiety, uh, relational outcomes, or maybe performance outcomes. So that's kind of where it's come from it's, it's a lot of work over many many years uh, just talking to perfectionistic people really and them telling us what it is and then us measuring it and looking at what it contributes to so how common is perfectionism amongst the you know the population at large this was a question that really I wanted to address. We didn't know that until uh, some recent research that I published uh, looking at the prevalence of perfectionism over time. So a lot of people would talk about perfectionism. They would say perfectionism is all around us. We feel like there's a lot of pressure to be perfect in modern society. But there wasn't really any way of knowing, you know, what is the prevalence and is it growing? So I did a piece of research a few years ago, which I've updated for my uh, my book, The Perfection Trap. And, and what we're seeing is something quite remarkable. Perfectionism is on the rise and it's rising really quickly for that social element of perfectionism, that socially prescribed perfectionism. We're seeing about a 40% increase since the late 1980s. And so it seems that young people in particular are telling us that those social expectations of perfection are rising really sharply uh, and that's weighing on their, uh, their mental health. So that's something that I'd like to, to get into a little bit later. But what do we know about where perfectionism comes from? You know, how does it develop? Are some people more prone to it than others? Yeah, I've been thinking about this question a lot because the, the data we have is correlational, is uh, it's not causal. So, you know, we just have data points that we've mapped over time. So we can't definitively know exactly what's causing this rise. But we can look out into the world and make some speculative but nevertheless evidence-based claims the first that i've identified in my book is excessive pressures to excel that are being placed on young people and that comes from two places mainly the first is schools and colleges which have become really competitive and the the need to outperform other students and get into the top sets which then allows us to get into the 
the higher exam boundaries, which allows us to get into the best universities, which allows us to get the best jobs. These are really real and life pressures that young people feel. And school has become really pressurized. So I think that's, that's one area. But those pressures are also transmitted from parents too. So parents see those pressures. They know how important it is for young people to excel, particularly in academics. And so there is also expectations placed on young people from their parents. And we've done some research showing that young people's expectations of perfection have risen over time in lockstep with perfectionism. So we think those pressures to excel are really important factors. I also think social media, having come in the last couple of decades, is on the scene in the last couple of decades, is really also an important factor. Young people are bombarded with these kind of limitless images of perfection, perfect lives and lifestyles. So social media, I think, has a has a role to play here too. But also the workplace, you know, very pressurized workplace. The imperative is to really hustle and grind your way up to the top and again that places a lot of expectation on people to perform outperform others and in in place excessively high standards on themselves so we think those are the main factors so you mentioned that social media and i think this is one of the, the first things that people might want to investigate when talking about perfectionism because you see influencers posting their perfect lives you know they're in I don't know, on the beach in Bali or something, or they're at an amazing party. Or Have we ever studied anything about why people do that and the effect that it has on the people that consume it? The important thing to say about social media, first and foremost, is it's kind it, well, it is an advertising device. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, the executives of these uh, companies are very clear that their main revenue stream is for advertising. And so the whole point of these apps and platforms is to generate a sense of discontent so that people are more likely to click on targeted ads which provide them with a material solution to that discontent so the whole point of these platforms is to really drive that sense of discontent because it's much more profitable now within that you tend to see the algorithms then really start to hone in and I guess, reward, celebrate perfect lives, perfect lifestyles, which means that when you go into the platform, you're kind of bombarded with all of these perfect lives and lifestyles. And and anyone who's able to get, generate, like, shares, mentions tends to be elevated to the top. So it becomes a bit of a status game too. And so influence influencers get pulled into this world. It's, it's very profitable for those at the top. The winners win big anyone else doesn't really get too much attention so this this is how this is how social media begins to generate and kind of become a self-perpetuating hall of mirrors of perfection and i think for young people in particular it's really really difficult to kind of view those images all the time and not in some way think about why why aren't they like that why don't they like that why don't they have those lives and kind of blame themselves go in on themselves and that perpetuates this kind of deficit thinking that i'm not enough i'm not perfect enough i need to be more which feeds into their perfectionism so i think Social media is definitely a big piece of this puzzle, but the reason is because the apps and platforms are really designed to generate those kinds of feelings. So we've mentioned there social media, obviously, which is a recent, relatively recent anyway, phenomena. What do we know about the history of perfectionism? You know, like how long have we been aware of it as, as, as a concept? We've been aware of, of it for a long, long time. The turn of the century, clinicians, very famous clinicians, were talking about perfectionistic tendencies. I think the most 
high profile master clinician would be Karen Horney, who in the 30s, 40s and 50s wrote extensively on what she called uh, cultural neuroses. So that's neuroses that come from societal pressures. And she was very big on a concept called the tyranny of should. So I should be attractive. I should be fit. I should be healthy. I should be strong. And she believe that culture and society generated these tyrannies or should which created a lot of internal conflict within people that's that's to say the conflict between who i really am the imperfect person i am and who i should be the idealized perfect version of myself which creates uh, neurosis which creates mental health problems which ultimately is what she was presented with when she was treating her, her patients and so i would say you know that was probably the seminal work on perfectionism this idea that people are created in the mind's eye an idealized version of self and needed to be perfect to, to kind of soothe those internal conflicts and then over the years we've kind of taken those ideas and we started to think about what those idealized versions of ourselves look like where they come from and how they manifest within individuals and over time we've arrived at these kind of three core dimensions which we've then used to do some more systematic research on perfectionism but i would say that's where the real kind of serious inquiry around perfectionism started so as, as you lay out quite clearly in, in the book there's a whole variety of effects that perfectionism can have on our mental health so let's explore that because a lot of people might think you know oh it's not so bad i'm a bit of a perfectionist maybe it's even a good quality but why is it so harmful absolutely we see that a lot i think there's the kind of begrudging admiration for perfection i call it our favorite flaw because i think when we let's say go to interviews and we get that dreaded question what's your biggest weakness a lot of people will say i'm a total perfectionist there's a kind of sense that you know i know this kind of self-sacrificial drive at some level is is a bit problematic but at the same time nobody thinks that anyone looks for less than perfection and they certainly don't think society looks for anything less than perfection so there's this kind of idea that perfectionism is a lionized quality now what i want to try and do in the book is really demystify that myth and kind of drive home the point that perfectionism has quite profound impacts on our mental health, particularly when things don't go quite to plan. So perfectionists strive to meet excessive expectations. That's kind of the core of who they are, but they do so for the approval and validation of other people. And so they find themselves in this kind of cycle where they need other people's approval. So they strive for perfection. Unfortunately, though, they often fail to meet that high standard because it was too high. So they feel anxious about themselves, their self-esteem plummets, they worry, they ruminate. And so they overcompensate by setting even higher goals, which they ultimately don't meet. And you can begin to see a cycle of self-defeat starts to kick in. Now, when you throw into that mix a significant life stress, things that come out of the blue that are not within our control, you know, moments like heartbreak, being laid off, perhaps you get ill or simply go through like a really rough period in life where nothing seems to go your way perfectionism can really amplify and elongate those stresses it can push them into every sphere of life it can impact work relationships it creates more conflict more stress more failure more worry more uh, diminished self-esteem and in these moments we can think to ourselves as everything seems to be falling around that perfectionism is the one thing holding us up like it's the one thing right now that's keeping me going 
when if we take a look back, we'd see that it's the perfectionism that's, that's creating those problems in the first place and making it much more difficult for us to cope with those moments of stress. And that's why we see quite significant relationships in the academic literature between perfectionism and mental health complaints such as anxiety or depression. And over time, left untreated, we, we sometimes see more serious correlations with perhaps more serious uh, mental health uh, complaints. So that's why perfectionism is, is so damaging. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so we've laid out there that how prevalent this is and why it's a problem so let's have a look at what we can do about this problem you know maybe it's better to look at the the the, diff, the three different areas the self-oriented the socially prescribed and the other oriented in turn to see you know what can we do to would you say treat this sort of thing so let's have a look at self-oriented perfectionism say somebody listening thinks that they're struggling with this what advice or or tips could you give them to to help to cope so the big thing about self-oriented perfectionism is we set high standards for ourselves, but we're very self-critical when things don't go well because it speaks to something that's flawed about us, right? So we've done something wrong. We might have got bad feedback or someone might not have given us praise in, in a particular moment. Let's say we've done a presentation and we can be very critical of ourselves in those moments. It's really, really important to remain compassionate, compassionate for ourselves and compassionate for other people. So every time you hit a setback and you feel like you're putting pressure on yourself, how could you be so stupid? What did were you thinking? Make a pledge to reframe that self-recrimination and choose kindness instead. So if you screw up a presentation, kindness. If you don't get the grade you hope for in school, kindness. If you get some critical feedback, kindness that's not going to be easy for the self-oriented perfectionist and you're going to succumb a lot i I can speak from my own experience here but keep at that because self-kindness self-compassion is like taking a sledgehammer to perfection i mean are there is there any work done on therapies i'm thinking of things like perhaps cbt that could help with this sort of thing 
Yeah, CBT has has got some evidence, some good evidence of a therapeutic effect on on some of the symptoms of perfectionism. There are some clinicians who believe you're not going to get at the root of perfectionism through CBT. So you might be able to reframe some of the thoughts and irrational beliefs that come with perfectionism. But in terms of getting at the root of that deficit mindset, that deficit thinking, CBT might be limited in that respect. But certainly there's some evidence that we can we can reframe and turn some of those perfectionistic thoughts around. So let's have a look at the the social one, which I think is is perhaps going to be the one that people are most perhaps most aware of now because of um as we've mentioned social media so what do we know about you know how how has this grown how has social media affected this how has it amplified this problem the social pressures are really alarming as I, as I mentioned earlier and we you know we were expecting to see an increase because we know these things in modern society have increased pressures to be perfect have increased we weren't quite expecting the speed and as, as you mentioned social media is is certainly a major factor here particularly for young people who have no real escape from pressures to be perfect it doesn't matter if they're at school or in the home if they're on social media or even if they're in the workplace there's so much pressure out there to excel, to keep doing better, to keep doing more that of course they're going to feel those social pressures because they're just, they're just all around them. And I think the biggest way to push through this is to use social media in, in, in the way that it was originally supposed to be used. That's to say, bringing people together, enjoying shared interests and enhancing offline relationships, right? So, you know, using it to meet people in the real world and spend time in the real world, because that's what social media was originally intended to do. And that's where social media can be really, really uh, powerful uh, for people's health um, and relationships. But I would also say it's really important to try to challenge in your own mind, what that kind of perfect version of yourself is and what it means to you. So think about that, what what you're trying to curate, what, what image of yourself are you trying to move through the world with and challenge it. So, you know, put yourself in situations where perhaps you don't feel overly comfortable, get out of your comfort zone and, and see how it works out. You know, you might want to post an unfiltered selfie you might want to put, put yourself up for an, an important talk at work if, if if public speaking is your is your anxiety and just go through the feelings and anxiety of what you know what it means to essentially challenge that perfectionism and often you'll find that it's not as catastrophic as you think it is so often people are very accommodating they're very kind and compassionate and you find also that it wasn't as stressful or anxiety provoking as perhaps you thought and again just Putting little steps forward in the right direction, challenging what per- perfect means to you, both in social media or in work or in school, is really crucial to trying to move past those socially prescribed pressures. So you mentioned earlier we talked about the education system and the pressure that's put on young people. What do we know about that? Uh, is there, so you mentioned this, the set system, grades and things, and grade brackets. What do we know about the pressure that that puts on young people? And you know, is there anything we can do to mitigate those effects? Yeah, that's a really good question and, and something I've thought about a lot having worked in the academic area. I, I see perfectionism so often in my office. And I think really it's because in schools and colleges, standardized testing, grading, putting young people from an early age into sets and grade boundaries and ranking them and sifting them and sorting them. All of this teaches young people really that life is a, 
well, academics is a big one big competition standardized testing is all important not just for their academic success but also for their own self-esteem you know you are your grade and it always pushes them to do more so even perfect a's aren't enough because next time you have to continue that higher standard and you have to keep improving you have to keep doing better you have to keep growing all the time there's no let up and these pressures by the way are much more amplified in in the u.s so a lot of my book is sort of focused towards the u.s education system because we see these pressures a lot more but that's not to say that the trajectory in the direction of travel in the uk isn't in that direction too so i, I you know i write in the book there are various ways we can try to change this but i think the biggest one we can look to places like finland whose education systems are a lot less all-consuming students start school at a much older age they don't test until later and when they do test the tests are very infrequent and and you know not everything is on the line for those tests and you tend to find it in that more safe accommodating supportive type of system students are free to pursue their own interests they can be very creative and even on those stem academic subjects that where you'd think that the less intense type of schooling would would harm students in terms of their academic uh, abilities we don't tend to find that Finnish students perform any better or any worse than those who have much more intensive education systems and i think that speaks to the importance of just turning down the dial a bit on the pressure in schools and colleges and you won't get any less out from students but what you will have is a much more a much better adjusted student body who are able to adapt and cope in the face of challenge so for me that's that's the biggest thing are perfectionists successful people so that's one of the things that you hear a lot perfectionism is our favorite flaw because we know it kind of has negative connotations and it can it can impact negativity on mental health but our perfection is successful. You know, we can point to uh, highly successful people and say that it must be their perfectionism that, that got them there. What's really interesting when we look at the relationship between perfectionism and success in places like school or work is that the relationships between these two things are really, really small and in some cases non-existent. And that's really perplexing, isn't it? Because we know perfectionists put tremendous amount of effort forward. We know that they work really, really hard. And yet it doesn't seem that that hard work is translating into better performance. Now, there are two reasons we think this is happening. The first is that perfectionism do work hard, but they work too hard. So they sacrifice areas of their life that are rejuvenating, things like good sleep, good diet, exercise, time with friends. All of these things that we know are really important for success. They sacrifice, and so essentially they, they burn out. They just do really well at the beginning, but then run out of steam, get exhausted, and that impacts on their performance. But the second and more interesting reason why we think perfectionists struggle to perform is because there's a kind of paradox that's associated with perfectionism. So perfectionists will put everything forward and, and then some to succeed at things. But the moment they encounter difficulty or setbacks or really challenging tasks that are almost certainly going to end in some kind of failure or defeat, they withdraw their effort. So when we put people in the lab and we give them a task, so we give them a cycle task that they should comfortably meet. So we say, go, you know, you meet, cover this distance in this time. And they really go hard on the first attempt. And then we tell them that they failed. You didn't meet that target. And then we ask them to go again. What you see with the perfectionists is on the second trial, they just withhold all their effort. The non-perfectionists, they carry on. In fact, if anything, they put more effort in the next time. But the perfectionists really drop off a cliff because the calculation in their mind is you can't fail at something that you didn't try at. And the anticipated guilt, shame, 
is so severe in, in these individuals that once they know they may fail, they will withhold. And that's obviously not going to do any favors in terms of success and performance. This is why you see a lot of procrastination among perfectionists because it's kind of managing their anxiety, managing the anxiety of things not going well through avoidance and withdrawal. And again, we know things like procrastination, scrolling through social media, watching the latest Netflix do uh, documentary or whatever it might be is not going to help when it comes to uh, success and things like uh, work. So, it's really interesting when it comes to perfectionism and success. We know it's a lot of pain when it comes to mental health, but we also know it doesn't contribute to performance. So it's kind of all pain for no gain. And I think that's the biggest take home really uh, that I want people to uh, get from, uh, from my book, The Perfection Trap. So you mentioned uh, your own background in sports, and I think this is a this is a really interesting one because you know, sort of most people play sports for, for fun with this idea of, perfectionism and i mean how does it fit into say competitiveness yeah so perfection is intensely hyper competitive because at root perfectionism really is a social it, it occurs not within a vacuum within us but obviously in a social world and so the way that we are able to calibrate our own sense of you know place and how successful we are and how good we are is to position ourselves relative to other people. So perfectionists can be really hyper competitive. And you see this a lot in sport, which is why I was, you know, sport was an kind of early interest of mine, but also really interesting lens to view perfectionism because you can see things that occur in, you know, normal day-to-day -day life, but but happen to be kind of amplified or maybe it is a good microscope into, into, you know, the broader effects of perfectionism. So we do a lot of work in sport, looking at putting athletes and students into the lab, getting them to do athletic tasks against each other and seeing what happens. And what's really interesting is when you put athletes into the lab, you maybe manipulate failure. So let's say you get them to race against each other on a, on a cycling task and you tell each one that they failed what you tend to see in that competitive failure is those people who are higher on perfectionism have much more intense emotional reactions. So they feel a lot more shame than non-perfectionists. They feel a lot more guilt than non-perfectionists. Their pride plummets after competitive failure. And it's because that failure has exposed something, has exposed that they're inferior, that they're flawed. And those are those flaws that they're desperately trying to conceal from the world. So sport is a really interesting microcosm. Uh, and a, a useful lab to study the effects of perfection. So let's have a look at the other oriented perfectionism then. So what do we know about what's going on psychologically there and what impact can that have? So other-oriented perfectionism is really a projection of one's own perfectionism onto other people. So the kind of calculation going on in the other-oriented perfectionist mind is, is that if I'm dragging myself over coals, to be absolutely meticulous and perfect in everything that I do, and I'm feeling the emotional baggage that comes with that, then it's only fair that everyone else around me does the same. And so other-oriented perfectionists are really punitive, they're really judgmental, and they expect others around them to have exactly the same excessive and impossible standards as them. Now, that's problematic both for the other interpretation of themselves because nothing is ever good enough. And so they will never, ever gain any lasting satisfaction. But it's really problematic for the people who are the targets of the other interpretation's ire because it creates toxic relationships. Uh, it creates a lot of resentment. 
And it creates a lot of dissatisfaction, particularly in the workplace. We see so much research showing that other-oriented perfectionists are really problematic in the workplace. They can create a lot of conflict among team members. And there's evidence that they can succeed initially, but the success often tapers off once people realize that the working practices are really problematic. So it doesn't even really contribute to lasting success either so other into perfectionist perfectionism is a really problematic form of perfectionism particularly when it comes to relations i mean is there anything that says somebody is the target of this sort of behavior you know is there is there anything that they can do yeah there's there's plenty they can do i think the main thing is to be open and communicate uh, that the expectations that you place on yourself and other team members are not the same and rationalize that the expectations that are being placed on on you are in, in, impossible that there there is no way within the confines of time or or even just the resources that we're able to reach this standard and i think that's so so important in the workplace to be open to be to be communicative and also to give examples and bring people around if, if there's one particular member who's a very strong avoiding perfectionist bring people in and have a group conversation and explain that these are issues that are causing disharmony i think that's one of the most important things you can do because bringing perfectionistic people around to reality uh, is difficult but absolutely crucial in terms of good relationships, not just with the other interfaces themselves, but also the, the broader team. And I'm, I'm thinking mainly in the work context here. So sort of riffing off that a little bit, I think a lot of people, I think, will have a friend or a loved one who is perhaps struggling with perfectionism. What can we do to help them? So I mentioned self-compassion. I think it's so important. I've mentioned challenging what perfect means to you and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone little by little. But I think the most important thing, and this is where perfectionists really struggle, is remembering that failure, imperfections, flaws are really a humanizing essence of our existence. They are what makes us us. And instead of being humiliating, instead of being shameful reminders of how flawed we are, they're actually really joyous reminders of what it means to be a human. And I think if you're trying to communicate with a perfectionist who can't let things go is finding it really tough particularly when things go wrong to accept that this is just part and parcel of life reminding them all the time it's important to be open to failure embrace it don't push it down don't squash it don't try to change it into something else just kind of sit with the feelings and emotions that that failure or setback brings remind yourself at all times that this is just part and parcel of what it means to be a human that life is not perfect nobody's perfect can ever be made perfect and going through life embracing those imperfections embracing those failures and and trying where we can to sit comfortably next to them even if at first it's going to be a bit difficult is really really important so i think Talking to people who are perfectionists and reminding them that failure is very humanising, not humiliating, I think is really, really important. Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Genius, brought to you from the team behind BBC Science Focus. That was Thomas Curran, Assistant Professor of Psychological and Behavioural Sciences at the London School of Economics and author of The Perfection Trap, The Power of Good Enough in a World that Always Wants More. The current issue of BBC Science Focus is out now, Pick up a copy wherever you buy your favourite magazines or download a digital copy from your preferred app store. You can, of course, also find us online at sciencefocus.com. 